right, guys. Good morning. Good morning. I like being a part of a thankful church. Thanks for being thankful, guys. I'm thankful for you guys. Thanks for worshiping. Um, hey, uh, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Mitchell. I'm the lead pastor here at Antioch. If you are a guest with us and haven't yet filled out one of these little connect forms, they're underneath the chair um, that you're sitting in. So fill one of these out. We'd love to just know that you're here and follow up with you. Say thanks for coming and let you know how you can get more involved at Antioch. You take this to the little connect booth right outside after the service. A couple other quick uh, reminders and announcements before we get into the message. So as Maggie said earlier, uh, today after service, we have a baptism in the Holiday Inn pool, baby. So it's going to be good. So y'all come right after. I would love for everybody to come. If you can, stick around just five more minutes. We're going to all huddle in that pool over there and celebrate and rejoice in this baptism together. Uh, we, we like to say that baptism is an absolute celebration. It's a party. It should be better than any party you've ever been to. We are going to hoop and holler and thank the Lord for his goodness and his salvation, his redemption. So come be a part of that. And then a couple other things um, happening this month. So uh, we are starting a Christmas series today for the next three weeks that will go to December 19th. And then December 26th, the day after Christmas, all of you will be out of town. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to, if you are in town, raise your hand if you, you think you're going to be in town on the 26th. Awesome. Great. We're going to have our first ever Christmas brunch is what we're going to call it at my house. So come over to my house. We are not going to meet here at the Holiday Inn if you're in town, but if you are in town and want to hang out, we're going to have a little brunch together. And so you can sign up to bring, it'll be potluck style, but in family style, it'll be a rich time. We're going to celebrate Jesus. We're going to celebrate for one another, be thankful for one another. So you guys can come to that on the 26th if you're in town. But you got to sign up because I want to know if you're coming to my house, okay? Because we will have a lot to clean up after Christmas because we have a lot of children. Anyways, okay, and then last but not least, I'm going to keep reminding um, our church of this throughout the month of December. Uh, but we have been talking about summer mission trips that we're going to be taking. And I would love for really everybody to come, which would be amazing. But we're taking, uh, there's two trips that are open to anybody that, can, uh, that wants to apply. And then there's one trip that's just for our discipleship school students. The discipleship school is going to Tijuana, Mexico. And then there's two trips that are open. One is particularly for families. We're going to go to New Orleans. And then there's another trip that is really open to anybody. We're going to go to Dubai, so the Middle East. And we did a whole series on God's heart for the nations and his command to therefore go and make disciples of all nations. And we are a church that takes that really seriously. And what I had said a lot uh, over that series that we did was we are here today following Jesus, disciples of Jesus, all the way over here in America where the gospel didn't start <laughs> because of a group of a few unimpressive people took the Great Commission seriously. They said, yes, I'll go and make disciples of all nations. And you and I are here because of that. And so on the other side of us saying, yes, I'll be a part of it whatever way I can, through praying, through giving, through going, there's other people that are going to come to know Jesus and have moments like this to worship the Lord uh, on the other side of our yes to go make disciples. So you can apply for one of those trips, but I would ask everybody at least pray about it. You have to pray. You don't have to go, but you got to at least pray and say, Lord, should I be a part of one of these summer mission trips this summer? Applications are open. I would love to get a bunch of people to apply this month so we can prepare for next summer. All right, I'm done. You guys ready for a little Christmas series? I'm excited. Now listen, hey, don't put the Christmas slide up just yet. Hang on. Listen, Christmas happens every year, yeah? And guess what? Most churches every year do a Christmas series. But it's going to be good. It's the same story. It's the same story, but my encouragement is, man, I want us to... Uh, never be bored with the things we're reading in Scripture, but to see it with fresh eyes. Somebody say fresh eyes. 
if you approach the Word of God with fresh eyes every time, asking the Lord to speak to you something fresh and new, instead of assuming we already know it, you know what happens? You get more out of it. <laughs> and so as we look into this story, I want to encourage us to have fresh eyes and let the Lord put us in awe again. This story is crazy. If you actually think about it, this story is wild. Um, and God is so good and he's so miraculous that he would send his son to the world. And so I want us to be in awe of Jesus coming. All right. The title for this year's Christmas series is, drum roll please. <laughs> Gosh, you didn't have to do that. Okay, just kidding. <laughs> A journey of the unexpected. A journey of the unexpected. Everybody say Unexpected. A journey of the unexpected. So what you'll notice as we look at this Christmas story is that it is full of the unexpected. And what we're going to do throughout this series is tie that into the reality that in our life, our life is also full of the unexpected, but God shows up. Amen? And so here's a couple of unex... Well, just... I mean, today, did anybody have something unexpected happen to you between the time you woke up and now? Anybody? All right. A few people. I had a few things. I was unexpected by the time that I woke up as one of my children. I was in the forest while all of you guys were getting that first REM cycle of sleep. I was up. I was, I was ready, ministering to my child and praying for you. Anyways, <laughs> actually, it was. Um, and also, unexpected thing, I was going to wear a different shirt, but I had a little coffee, pretty, pretty big coffee spill this morning. So I had to change my sweater, but it was fine. It was all good. Little unexpected things that happen here and there, but God's faithful to provide cool Antioch sweatshirts that were already here at the hotel. Praise God. Here's a couple things in the Christmas story that were unexpected, and though you have heard these things before, again, I want you to, to remember the, the miraculous nature of these things I'm about to list. Here's a couple unexpected things. Ready? First one, the virgin birth. That was pretty unexpected. <laughs> Mary was not expecting that. Here's a couple other things. Of all the places that the Messiah, God in flesh, could be born, he was born in a little town called Bethlehem. It's famous now, but it was a small little town called Bethlehem. A couple other unexpected things. As Mary and Joseph were journeying through, uh, especially on their way back to Bethlehem, there was no room for them in the inn. That was a little unexpected. So they had to go to a little manger stable where Jesus was born. Another unexpected thing, I want you to put yourself in the, these guys' shoes, the shepherds. Okay, shepherds, they're just hanging out with sheep. It's late at night, and then, boom, angels appear in an unexpected way and declare that the Christ has been born. A couple other things, this huge miraculous star that appeared in the sky, that was a little unexpected. Wise men that seemingly came out of nowhere and bring, brought really expensive gifts to Jesus, as uh, Jeremy referenced. A couple other things was, and I'm going to read some of the story today, but there is uh, a tremendous amount of prophetic and directional dreams that God gave, specifically Joseph, but a few other people. That was unexpected. And then this one, this is funny. Some of you might not be familiar with the story, but it's in Luke chapter 2. There's these two people in the temple worshiping and praying named Simeon and Anna. Anybody familiar with those two people? Luke chapter 2, Simeon and Anna, your favorite characters in the Bible, I'm sure. And uh, Mary and Joseph, it was like about a week after Jesus was born, they bring baby Jesus into the temple to dedicate him to the Lord. They're just thinking, okay, I'm just going to church. Going to you know, do a little baby dedication, okay? It's going to be simple. It's going to be cute. It's going to be sweet. Going to get a little plaque. It says, I dedicated baby Jesus, you know? <laughs> we did those a couple weeks ago. It was beautiful. But literally, it says in Luke chapter 2 that uh, Simeon and Anna, who were very old, I just picture like these wide-eyed, gray hair, just like speaking in other languages to the Lord a lot, just like they see baby Jesus walk in and his parents, and they just take the baby, and they just start prophesying. This is the Messiah. This, this is like, that's unexpected, <laughs> 
little weird encounter. If that happened to one of my children, I'd be a little concerned. But these unexpected things are all over this Christmas story. But I want you to think about your life for a second, and I want you to think about unexpected things. I already asked this morning, anything happened? But I want you to think, let me zoom out a little bit. In the last two years, has there been anything unexpected that has happened in your life? A few things? <laughs> okay, literally, think about, think about, I mean, really, your whole life is full of unexpected things. T- go back 10 years ago. Go back 20 years ago, some of you, if you're 20. <laughs> Okay, think, I mean, think, literally, I mean, just think about this. Did you expect 10 years ago, 20 years ago, to be doing what you're doing right now, to be living where you're living? Nod your head yes or shake your head no if this is true. To be living with the people you're living with right now? I have, I mean, literally five, just five, maybe four years ago, I had no idea, totally unexpected, that I'd be living in Arkansas. No idea. Anybody else? (laughs) A few, a few others. Now, these unexpected things in our life, the reality is, is that they can be really exciting. They could be really painful and difficult. They could be mundane. There's, there's a mix. A couple of things I think of, of my unexpected life and journey, I think of some sudden and tragic deaths of loved ones that I've had to find healing and comfort from the Lord in. I'm going to make a little comment. What's so amazing is every time we come to Jesus to find healing and comfort, he will give it to us every time. Amen. When we run to other things, we don't find it, but we run to him. We find healing and comfort every time. But there's a lot of unexpected tragedies that I've walked through in my life that I've, that I've had to come to Jesus and find healing. But I also think of tremendous blessings in my life that are unexpected. I, th- I'm just, I think of the people in my life. I think about my amazing wife. Okay, uh, let's see, now 12 years ago, I didn't even know she existed. But I am so thankful. What an unexpected and undeserved blessing to have Beth as my wife. She's not here this morning. She's with two of our sick children, but... I think of my children. They're an unexpected blessing, and I love them a lot. And I think of even just funny things, like I mentioned earlier, living in Arkansas. Now, how many of you guys grew up in Arkansas? You're like totally uh, uh, local. You're native. Let's go. Come on. Love it. Listen, here, I love Arkansas so much, but this, this, I grew up in Texas, in like a suburb. I just didn't expect to live in Arkansas. I mean, of all places, I mean, literally, here's an example that just made me laugh this week. I'm turning into my neighborhood, and what's waiting to cross the street is a lady on a horse. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, it's my neighborhood. <laughs> I didn't see that very much in the suburbs of Houston. But uh, just there's unexpected things that our, our life is filled with, but I even think of our church family and the, the story that you're a part of, whether you're super involved in Antioch or not, just our journey as a church has been very unexpected. A lot of twists and turns. We've had many blessings. We've had many disappointments. We've had many unexpected plans and many unexpected changes of plans. And, but God has been faithful. And here's what I want you guys to remember throughout this series. Through the ups and downs, through the twists and turns of the unexpected, you're going to remember this. God, or you're going to see this. God is faithful to fulfill his promises He's faithful to provide our needs, and he's faithful to answer our prayers. It's so important. I wrote it down. You guys take a picture of this or write it down. Here's what I want you guys to remember through this series and as you think about your life. Through the unexpected twists and turns of life, God is faithful to do these things and more, but here's the three we're going to focus on over the next couple weeks. He is faithful to fulfill his promises, provide our needs, and answer our prayers. In the next two weeks, we'll talk about those second two. Jeremy's going to preach about God's provision of our needs, and then I'll wrap it up on the 19th, uh, talking about God answering our prayers. But this morning, I'm going to focus on his 
faithfulness to fulfill his promises. And we're going to look at multiple promises throughout this Christmas story that he fulfilled, and then we're going to tie that into our life. You guys ready to dive in? All right, let me pray and just ask the Lord to speak to us. So, Lord Jesus, we thank you that this is true. God, I thank you for every journey, every story that is represented in this room this morning. God, many of us just have twists and turns. Our life is full of unexpected things. But, Father, we just thank you that you're faithful to us. You've been with us in every season. You're so near and you're so close. And this morning, I ask you, Lord, as we look at this story, this Christmas story with fresh eyes, God, would you remind us that you are faithful to fulfill your promises? Would you bring specific promises to our mind and you remind us that you're going to be faithful? In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Okay, why don't you turn your Bible to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to read a lot of Bible this morning because I want you to just remember again this amazing Christmas story. So we're going to read Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18, and then we're going to go all the way through the end of Matthew chapter 2. All righty? So Matthew chapter 1, if you are there, say, I am there. If you're not there, say, hold on a second. All right, all right. I'll wait. Just a few seconds. Okay. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. You guys ready? It'll be on the screen also. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Very unexpected. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, he resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. There's one dream. Saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Anybody thankful for that? Come on. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Chapter 2. Jeremy just read a little portion of this. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this... <laughs> He was troubled. This was a little unexpected news for King Herod here. He was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So amazing is that Jesus not only... And verse 1 says he takes away our sins, but he shepherds his people. Verse 7, then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them that the time the star had appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I may too come and worship him. He was lying. But verse 9, after listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until... It came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream, there's another dream, not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. 
Now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Again, wow. <laughs> Unexpected dreams. It says, rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I, until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he arose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he became furious. And he sent and he killed all the male children in Bethlehem and all that region who were two years old and under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. Verse 19, last little part here. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream. Okay, every paragraph starts with this. He appears in a dream again to Joseph and says, Rise, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he arose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he had heard that Archelaus, awesome name, was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, again, he withdrew into the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. Whew, all right. You like that Christmas story? Awesome story, filled with amazing things and miracles and a lot of prophetic promises that were fulfilled and a lot of unexpected things. But we just read just a chapter and a half, but let me uh, show you real quick. I'm just going to list them off. If you want to reference these, you can, or follow along in chapter 1 and chapter 2. But here are, there's at least six prophecies in just this chapter and a half that are fulfilled in just the birth of Jesus in this story. Okay, in chapter 1, verse 23, uh, there was an, uh, uh, the virgin birth was a fulfillment of a prophecy a few hundreds of years before in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Then chapter 2, and uh, this prophecy of the star... In, in verse 2 of chapter 2, now there's uh, some speculation on what specific prophecy, whether it's this old eastern prophecy that the wise men heard of somehow, or there's a little reference in Numbers chapter 24 about a star coming out of Israel, so that could be the prophecy they were referring to. In verse 5, it, it was uh, the being born in Bethlehem was the fulfillment of Micah chapter 5, verse 2. And then verse 15, it says, that my son will come out of Egypt, that's a prophetic promise from Hosea, chapter 11, verse 1. And then another one, Jeremiah 31, 15, it was fulfilled with the weeping of the killing of the children in verse 18 of chapter 2. And then last one, it's not recorded in Scripture, though there's some speculation of what it can mean, but in verse 23, it says it fulfilled the prophet, prophecy that he would be called a Nazarene. So some folks that say, oh, Nazarene was like an outcast um, in, the, in the minds of the people of Israel, so it could be referring to all the verses in the Old Testament that he would be despised and rejected. So some speculation there. But here's my point in listing those out to you. In just a chapter and a half, there are six amazing prophetic promises that were recorded hundreds of years before they happened, and they are fulfilled in one man. Now, I want you to, to, to grasp the nature of this because you have heard this story of all the prophetic promises being fulfilled in baby Jesus before, but I want you to understand the weight of this and the miraculous nature of this. This should not have been the case. The probability of this happening is very small. Here's what, there's, there's some scholars have done some research, and let me read a little expert from something I found. It says, a professor named Peter Stoner worked with 600 students to figure out what the probability would be of just eight of the about 400 prophecies of the Old Testament. What would be the probability of just eight of those coming true in one person that had lived up to that time? You know what his uh, results were? 
one in 100 quadrillion chances. So not, I said quadrillion, I think that's the correct term, math majors. So not million, not billion, not trillion, but whatever the fourth one is. Quadrillion, yes? Any math majors out there? Yeah, let's go. <laughs> I used to teach math. I was not a math major, that's for sure. That's amazing. That's a lot. No one can fathom that amount of things. <laughs> Here's what Lee Strobel says. He's an atheist that turned Christian. He did some calculations, and he like, uh, thought about a real-life example to help us picture it. He says, I imagine the entire world being covered with little white tiles that were about one and a half inches square on every bit of dry land on the planet. Then he said, one of those white tiles, the bottom of it was painted red. He says, I pictured a person being allowed to wander for a lifetime around all seven continents who would be permitted to bend down only one time and pick up a piece of tile. What are the odds that it would be the one tile whose reverse side was painted red? The odds would be the same as just eight of these Old Testament prophecies coming true in just one person. Isn't that awesome just to picture that? So God did a miracle and the probability of these things being fulfilled in one person. And what does it speak of? It speaks of his faithfulness to fulfill his promises. If he would go to that great of length and do something that is absolutely improbable, get this, he's going to fulfill his promises for you and for me as well. He is faithful to fulfill his promises. And what I believe that God wants to remind you and me of this morning, and I was saying throughout this whole Christmas series, he wants to remind us of this. That all his promises are yes and amen. You don't have to doubt God's promises. I don't have to doubt God's promises. Every single word that God said will come to pass. Not a single word that God has spoken will become void. It will not fall to the ground. It is not useless and it is not a waste. Everything that God's spoken to you, everything that he has spoken to us through his word will come to pass. He is faithful to fulfill his promises. Amen? So good. Here's a couple verses that just remind us of this. Isaiah 55, 11 says, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Look at verse uh, 2 Corinthians. Once you skip down to verse, uh, I think it's 19. It says, All the promises of God find their yes in him, in Jesus. That is why through him we utter our amen to God for his glory. God is faithful to fulfill his promises. It's exciting to me. There's some things that I've read in scripture that are promises that I really want to be true. And what's so amazing is that I don't, it's, not a, it's not up to me for them to be true. God is faithful to his promises. So here's a question I want you to think about. What promises from God do you need to be reminded of this morning? What promises do you need to be reminded of this month or throughout this Christmas series? What promises do you need to be reminded of? Or is there anything that you have forgotten that God has said or anything you've lost hope in that you need to be reminded of? And I believe that God wants to bring those things to mind because he wants to restore hope in your heart. And he wants to restore hope in my heart as well, that he is faithful to fulfill his promises. Amen? Now, for the rest of our time, before I get to closing up, what I want to do is I want to give a little helpful clarity teaching about the promises of God, and I want to compare it to a couple other things that oftentimes can be misplaced for the promises of God. So what I'm going to do for the next 10-ish minutes, or 30, I don't know, um, is I'm going to talk about the difference between God's promises, 
I'm going to talk about prophetic words or personal prophetic words, and then I'm going to talk about prayers that we're praying that we're really believing are going to happen. So those three things, God's promises, prophetic words, and prayers that we have been praying. Okay, I'm going to encourage you to take some notes because I think what I'm going to give you this morning will be helpful. And we'll, um, the reason I want to differentiate here, because there is some overlap, is because I want us to be strengthened in how confident we can stand on God's promises. And I also want us to have the clarity of how do we engage with other things that are similar to his promises but not quite the same. How do we engage with those properly so that when we start to see outcomes or fulfillments that we can respond better. If you have greater understanding of these things and how they work, it'll help your responses when the outcome happens. All right? Hopefully that was clear enough, but I'm going to break this down. Okay, we're going to start with God's promises, okay? This one, I would say, is going to hopefully be the most clear. And what I'm going to um, do every time I'm talking about one of these, I'm going to give you a definition, and then I'm going to give you like, how we can engage with uh, that particular thing. So let's talk about God's promises for a second, all right? So definition I have up there, you can see on the screen. Feel free to take pictures of this or write it down, whatever you want to do. But here's what I mean by God's promises. These are statements written in Scripture that are certainly true, and they will certainly come to pass. How do we engage with the promises of God? Here's a couple things, though I'm sure there's more you could think of. We declare them, we thank God for them, and we can be completely confident in them. Completely confident. I wish there's more words I could add in there, but absolutely sure that God's promises will come to pass. And here is why. His promises coming to pass have nothing to do with you, and me and our ability to do anything about them. His promises have everything to do with him. And his promises being fulfilled or not fulfilled will show us if he is faithful and true or a liar. And here's what's amazing. God's not worried about being a liar. He is faithful and he is true. He is good. Now let me give you a couple examples of some promises that are in scripture you ready i'm gonna i don't have a slide i don't think of these but let me read these to you because these are so good ready jesus said in matthew 28 he is always with you is that a good promise he's always with you next one god loves you and nothing can separate you from god's love it's from romans 8 it's from john 15 if we abide in jesus we will bear much fruit Here's another one. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's from 1 John 1, 9. Another one. He will provide all of our needs. From Philippians 4. The last two are, are basic to the gospel, but you need to be reminded of this promise. Through faith and trust in Jesus, we have eternal life. You will live forever. Put your faith and trust in Jesus. And then last but not least, he promised that Jesus is going to come back again and we will see him face to face. Isn't that amazing? These are just a few, I don't know how many I just had there, maybe about eight or seven promises from Scripture. What we do with these promises, we can hold, like, either these are true or God's a liar. And like I already mentioned, he's not worried about being a liar. He is faithful to these things. And so the way that we approach God and engage with this is with absolute surety and confidence before the Lord, and we can receive these promises. Amen? Now, let's talk about prophetic words, okay? Now, before you put this slide up, hold on just a second. Um, 
So here's what I mean by prophetic words. There's like prophetic scriptures, which we just saw about six of them in Matthew chapter 1 and chapter 2. There's prophetic scriptures. I'm going to go ahead and lump those into the promises category, okay? But then there are what I'm going to call personal prophetic words, things we feel like God is speaking directly to us or things that other people have shared with us and have said something to the extent of, hey, I feel like God is saying this to you. All right, so let me define prophetic words. I'm talking about personal prophetic words. Here's a little definition, and then I'll give you how do we engage with it, okay? In a couple of verses. So here's the definition. Specific of, of prophetic words. Specific things brought to our attention by the Holy Spirit for the personal encouragement, edification, and comfort of an individual and or the corporate direction or correction for the church at large. All right? So this could be a scripture brought to mind. It could be an idea somebody has. It could be like a picture, an image someone gets in their mind to kind of explain something in a pictorial way, artistic way. It could be a dream. Okay, these are all examples of personal prophetic words. Someone could come up to you, like I mentioned earlier, and say, hey, I feel like God is saying this. Now, let me give you a couple scriptures here, and then we'll come back to that slide. 1 Corinthians 14, 3. Here's what it says about these personal prophetic words. It says, on the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation, or another word for comfort. So the purpose, one of the primary purposes for the, these personal prophetic words is so that this would happen to us. Does anybody want to be built up in their spirit besides me? Does anybody want or do you ever get into a place where you feel like you need some encouragement? <laughs> I do, quite often actually, and comfort or consolation. We all want these things. And a way that we can tell if these things that are spoken to us are true is, is that the fruit of someone come up to you and saying, hey, I feel like God's saying this. If it brings encouragement to you, if it brings strength to you, if it comforts you, and obviously if it's aligned with Scripture, then you can be sure that, man, God is speaking something prophetic to you personally to encourage you and build you up. Hey, there's other examples. I don't have this reference. You can put that other slide back up about the prophetic words. But something that's more directional uh, would be like in Acts chapter 11 and chapter 13. You can write that down if you want to look at it later. Um, in the church in the, that met in the city in Antioch, there were a, a couple different corporate prophetic words that were given that brought some clarity or some direction to some decisions that were being made. Specifically in chapter 13, the Holy Spirit spoke to a group of people praying to set apart a couple guys to go on missionary journey and go plant a church. So they prayed, they were fasting, and they got this idea, and they kept praying and fasting, and it was confirmed and set them up. So that's an example of something more directional, all right? Now, how do we engage with these personal prophetic words, all right? Some of it is similar to promises, but I want you to notice the difference because this will really help us to think. Okay, we thank God for these prophetic words, but we also want to weigh them and test them. We want to discern their meaning and their application. We want to pray them, and we get to wait and see if they come to pass or not. We get to wait. Isn't that great? Anybody like waiting? Me either. <laughs> Here's a couple of scriptures to help explain this. First uh, Corinthians again, chapter 14. This is about how we engage. This is just hopefully helpful coaching on teaching on this. It says, let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh. Everybody say weigh. Yeah. Then weigh, what is that? Think of scales. Okay, it's like, okay, you just said this. Let's weigh it for a minute. Okay, here's another verse. First Thessalonians 5, 19 to 21. It says, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. And hold fast what is good. So in regards to personal prophetic words, especially if they're in the category of directional, what we need to learn to do, this is different than promises, because we know promises will come to pass. His 
uh, amazing promises in Scripture, they will come to pass. When we get personal prophetic words, we need to weigh them and we need to test them. How do we do that? Usually, I have a teaching on this, but it's five things that we do to weigh prophetic words or test prophetic thirds. We say, is there anything about the word that disagrees with Scripture? If it does, we throw it out. Okay? If it aligns, it doesn't mean it has to be a, an exact verse, but does it align with the teaching and clarity of Scripture? Okay, another thing we can do is we can say, does it align with the heart and the character revealed in Scripture of God himself? All right? Does it represent his love, his kindness, his mercy? Okay, we also can think about bringing it to the elders or wise counsel for them to test, hey, does this sound like this could be God? And then two other ways that are kind of similar, uh, this is number four now, is the fruit of what happens with the prophetic word. Does it lead to upbuilding and encouragement, or does it lead to condemnation? That's a little bit tricky because, uh, you know, something that's meant for encouragement could cause somebody that has some sort of issue with fear respond in a different way. But you want to ch uh, check the fruit of a prophetic word. And then fifth, is, this is a good one, is you see if it comes to pass or not. If someone says, this is going to happen, and it doesn't happen, and maybe that was not a prophetic word that was true. Now, what do we do with that? Do we throw stones? I would say no. Okay, and I'm glad we just live in the New Covenant, New Testament. That's for sure. <laughs> There's not, we don't do stones. Anyways, um, but we, we say, okay, we weighed it. We tested it. Didn't come to pass. That wasn't a true prophetic word. Does that mean you're totally evil? Uh, no, it means like, okay, man, that's humbling. I want to hear God more accurately. Help me, God. But we don't condemn people because they miss it sometimes. All right? but you need to be aware that sometimes we miss it. And let me give you a couple examples here as I talk about prophetic words, because this will also like, bring it home. Into, okay, this is what it could look like. So I um, asked the staff a couple days ago if they had any recent examples of a personal prophetic word that was encouraging to them. And Lindsay, our media director, uh, messaged me and said, yeah, there was a time towards the end of our ADS that she received a prophetic word. Someone said, hey, I feel like God is saying this. And it was something about her, how secure and confident she can be in her identity. And her response at the time was, that is exactly what I needed to hear. <laughs> and it led to her, well, weeping in God's presence, but also filled her up and comforted her, encouraged her. That's amazing. Like, we should celebrate that. That's awesome. It's so great. Okay? There's a couple other um, I mean, examples that I have of things that have been really helpful for us. Um, the last two years or so, I feel like the, one of the themes of this season has been patient endurance. I feel like the Lord um, was speaking that to me, and then I had one guy literally just pull me aside. His name's Brandon, and he's a guy that goes to a different Antioch church. And he said, hey, Mitchell, I got a word for you. Patience. And I was like, you're right, <laughs> but I don't like it. <laughs> I was like, man, okay, well, great. Okay, here's, and then let me bring you in a little bit more. Some of you have heard me explain this story, but the story of uh, just a couple years ago starting this church, there was a lot of prophetic words that were shared that needed to be weighed and tested in the process of us saying yes to move here. Okay, so anything from this internal draw or sense, strangely, that started at the beginning of 2017 to Fayetteville or to Northwest Arkansas. We had this, I just had this weird sense in me that we were, I need to look into that or be aware of this area. And then, just about a month later, two really close friends both came to me separately as I was already feeling this draw and said this simple phrase, like, hey, I feel like God's speaking Fayetteville to my wife and I. Another couple, hey, I feel like God's speaking Arkansas to us. I was like, Fayetteville, Commonwealth, Arkansas. Okay, got, got, okay, something's happening here. Okay, a couple weeks after that, I had my own late night personal time with God. I was praying and talking to God about the future, and I just had this strong sense. I don't know how to describe it, but this strong idea that we were supposed to plant a church in Fayetteville, Arkansas, in the summer of 2019, bring certain people with us. I wrote it all down. 
And I was like, okay, are you speaking, Lord? And then just a few days after that download, I had a pastor friend come up to me at the end of a worship service and just literally, he just said, hey, I feel like God's put church planning in you, put cities in you. I was like, okay, I guess something's happening here. So what did I do with that? I weighed it and I tested it. Okay, I, I literally, the night that I got that sense or download from God, I sent a very long-winded and probably unnecessary email to our lead pastor who also led the elder team and said, hey, man, so I'm just going to confess something real quick. I think God asked me to plan a church. What do you think? And, it was, and he said, hey, let's talk about it. <laughs> I was like, okay, great. So we went on a journey of weighing it, testing it, bringing the other elders, and guess what happened? Over and over again, there was open doors, there was favor, there was green lights, and God continued to lead the way. And then we moved. Still in faith, but with a little bit of clarity that this might be a real true prophetic word. And here we are today. It was right. I was right. God was right, actually. <laughs> That's a little better. <laughs> Gosh. Because I didn't tell God that this is what he was saying. Um, but let me also share a couple of other examples of kind of getting it off, getting it wrong. Because I think this will be helpful. <laughs> that same pastor friend that said to me, Hey, I feel like God's like speaking church planning to you. He sees cities in you. You know what he also did during that prayer time? He guessed a city. And it wasn't anywhere in northwest Arkansas. <laughs> so what does that mean? I moved to the wrong city? Or maybe he missed it a little bit. <laughs> or maybe it was the city was uh, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. You know, they keep winning in football, but man, we need to make some wins for the kingdom there, all right? So... Here's a little bit of helpful process. This doesn't mean that guy's evil. He got something that was really encouraging at the time for me, and then he said a city that was maybe a little bit off. It's fine. It's great. Or maybe some would say, no, 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 no. No, every prophetic word is going to happen. And that's, hey, it's fine. We'll wait and see. Maybe one day from within our church, a church is planted to Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Who knows? That'd be awesome. It could be a unique fulfillment of that prophecy. Who knows? But I'm staying here. Don't worry, guys. I'm staying here. Here's another thing that I, that I personally got a little wrong. Okay. And let me, and I'm going to hopefully break this down in a helpful way for you. So sophomore year of college, there was a girl that broke up with me. Yeah, it was hard, difficult. I know, shocking, as somebody just said. And as I was processing with God, the scripture came to my mind. I had known of it, but it just came as I was talking to God. Ecclesiastes 3.11, the very end of it, it says that he makes everything beautiful in its time. And I was like, oh, that is so encouraging. But you know what happens when we get, I'd say, prophetic words or senses from God? We sometimes, like, try to make it all make sense all at the same time and apply it the exact way that we want it to be applied immediately. <laughs> so what I did in literally three seconds of processing was, oh, you're going to, she's, she's, we're going to get back together. We're going to get married. It's going to be beautiful. You, made, you, said, you said, Lord, you're going to make everything beautiful in this time like this. It's going to work. And unfortunately, I believed that for about a year until she got engaged to somebody else. <laughs> I can laugh about it now, but it's hard in the moment, okay? All right. About a year later, I started dating Beth. A year after, not the breakup, but a year after I realized this girl was going to engage somebody else. <laughs> but a year later, I started dating Beth, and we saw it was going towards marriage, and the Lord, I forgot about this scripture, forgot about this word. The Lord brought it back up. Ecclesiastes 3.11. I was like, oh, 
I misinterpreted it, but that was a true word. You were making this topic and this desire of my life to be married one day, you were making this beautiful. And he did, and I'm so thankful I'm married to Beth. And so here's what we do, and I want to just give you a little bit of coaching here, and this is a good takeaway. When you get prophetic words, okay, you need to break it up into three things. What's the actual word, the prophetic word? What's the potential interpretation of the word? And what's the application of the word? Prophetic word is like, okay, what was actually said, right? Literally, word for word, what came to your mind? Or what did somebody literally say to you? Then, you, then after you actually get clarity there, go into the interpretation. Okay, what could this mean? What could it actually, how can, there's different, probably maybe potentially different interpretations. Maybe, maybe not. Okay, and get some feedback. What could it mean this? And then you get to the application, which is like, what do I do with this? Or how exactly is this going to be played out in my life? And again, you get some feedback on that. Some of that is going to be unknown until it comes to fruition. Okay, does that make sense? Just kind of want to help you guys because here's what I'm trying to do is want to help us as a church as we're hungry for the presence of God. We're hungry to hear his voice. We're hungry for him, and we, we, want, to, we want to fan into flame that prophetic gifting. But here's what I don't want. I don't want us to be confused about God's promises that are yes and amen and personal prophetic words that we get sometimes that we hear in part and we see in part. And I want us to hold them rightly. I want us to be all for it, but I don't want us to hold it the same weight as Scripture. I don't want us to hold it the same weight as these promises. We, we hold promises like this. We hold tight to it. We're not letting go. We're saying, God, you will be faithful. You are not a liar. But when it comes to specific and personal prophetic words, we hold them a little bit more like this. So I trust you, Lord. I want them to happen. I believe in you. I'm going to pray them. I'm going to declare them. I'm going to do some of these things. But if they don't work out like I want them to, I'm not going to be absolutely destroyed and devastated because I've held them like this. Well, let's move on to the last one here. Prayers. Now, again, like I've been saying, there's some overlap. There's weaving between these three things of his promises, prophetic words, and prayers. But with this, I don't necessarily mean uh, praying scripture. If you're praying the word of God, praying scripture, you can have absolute confidence. God's going to be faithful to fulfill it. All right, but what I really mean by this is praying specific and asking the Lord for specific requests. Okay, so the definition I have on there is talking with God and presenting specific requests before him. And how do we engage with prayers? We pray often. We pray specifics. We write prayers down. We ask for increased faith. We trust his will to be done, and we submit. Everybody say the word submit. We submit to his plans knowing that his way is better. His way is better. So I want you to notice how I kind of started that engagement. It's like, hey, high faith, pray often, pray specific, write them down, let's go. We're going to have, be full of faith, and then we're going to trust. Okay, that trust is kind of another progression. It's a different feel of let's go for it, let's have faith. But okay, we're going to trust. And then that last one is like, at the end of the day, what are we going to do? We're going to submit to him, no matter what happens with the request we're bringing before him. Okay, unfortunately, sometimes the things that you really want and things you're really praying for, they either will not happen or haven't happened yet. Okay, I've got a couple of those examples. I've been praying. One, one specific that's on my mind often is I pray for my brothers to be saved and come to know the Lord. Right now, they don't walk with the Lord. But I've been praying that off and on for the last 17 years. Haven't seen it yet. I'm still believing and, and I'm asking often for increased faith for me to believe it, that God's going to do it. And I'm going to keep praying until I see the answer. There's a little, little, couple of glimpses of hope in a unique way over Thanksgiving that, you know what, maybe this could happen. Or at least I told God how I think it could happen. <laughs> and hopefully he'll listen. Okay? But we submit. 
to his plans, and we submit knowing that his way is better. That's important. We trust the intention of God. Even when we think we have the best idea of how something's going to turn out, something we're praying for, we're going to trust that he has the best intentions in mind. Amen? He knows better than we do. All right, there's plenty of other examples as well that I could share. We've been praying over the last really seven months for a church building, and uh, there were some specific prayers for specific things that were not answered, and it was clear shut doors, okay? So we're gonna, but we're keep going, and we've got some open doors available, maybe, but we're still in the process of, all right, it's not sure yet, but there's plenty of unanswered prayers, but I'm trusting that God knows what he's doing, and it's going to be better than we think, amen? All right, so hopefully those three things, or at least uh, breaking them up a little bit. I know there's a lot of overlap, but hopefully that was helpful for us to navigate. But let me just kind of summarize this whole thing here. The band, go ahead and come on up when you're ready. Um, but let me just summarize this whole thing. As we look at the Christmas story, and I read that, hopefully you saw all of these promises that God spoke and that he fulfilled every single one of them in crazy, miraculous ways and numbers. But here is what I want you to remember, and I want you to tell somebody next to you this statement. Ready? You can trust the promises of God. Go ahead and tell somebody. You can trust the promises of God. Amen. We can trust the promises of God. And here's what I think God wants to do and what will happen to us if we let the Lord remind us of his faithfulness to fulfill his promises. I believe we're going to have greater strength in our spirit. Anybody want strength in your spirit this Christmas season? I think he wants to give confidence to our hearts. I think he wants to give us grace to endure and to keep believing and keep waiting for things we've been asking God for. And I think he wants to teach us how to wait until breakthrough happens. So let's be a people that trust the Lord through unexpected twists and turns. Let's be a people that trust God that he's going to be faithful to fulfill his promises. So in just a second, what we'll do is we're going to um, put a couple questions on the screen that I would love for us to just to think about. If you have a journal, I would encourage you to write down some thoughts and answers to this. If you have a phone, go to your notes app and type down a couple answers. I'll give you just about one minute to think about these questions here, and then we're going to worship together to close it out. Let me, let me pray for us. Now, Father, we just thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for reminding us that you are faithful to fulfill your promises. And Lord, I pray right now that you would bring specific promises to our mind, things you've spoken in your word. And I pray that you take the general promises and you make them real specific to us this morning, Lord. What are you saying? What are you promising us from your word? What specific promise do we need to be reminded of today? Any prophetic words we need to be reminded of? Things we're believing for. Bring those things to mind right now, Lord.